Christmas is next week. I don't even know how that has happened, but Christmas is next week. And we are in a series as we're heading towards Christmas called uh, Christmas Pictures. And as I told you last week, uh, when it comes to Christmas, we, we probably tend to take more pictures around Christmas than perhaps any other time of year. I don't know about you, but at least in our photo, uh, photo albums, we have more pictures around Christmas than we do any other time of year. And so families, especially moms, because let's just be honest, us dads don't care as much about it, but moms are really concerned about getting those perfect family pictures, right? They want to get those perfect family pictures uh, of their kids, of the family. And so I showed you one last week of my kids with Santa. I got a few more this morning to show you. Uh, so this one, you know, this is just really, this is, I don't know if this is a picture of what your, your, uh, your Christmas pictures with Santa look like. Uh, or there's this one, which covers the gamut of emotions, sadness, happiness, and I could absolutely care less to be here right now. Uh, and then uh, I got uh, just a, <laughs> this is, these are, this will sh follow the full gamut of emotions. The, I mean, these kids, two girls are just beautiful. That's the first one. Here's the second one. <laughs> and then here's the third one. <laughs> I love that, those pictures. Uh, needless to say, those pictures didn't turn out as picture perfect as those parents probably imagined them and hoped that they might. And the same is true for Christmas and life in general. It rarely turns out as picture perfect as we would hope it would. Um, and that's because our world is not picture perfect. We, it is far from perfect. And perhaps we feel that reality more poignantly at this time of year more than any other. Look, there are certainly many seasons of our lives where we need an extra dose of love, like the husband who was standing in front of the bathroom mirror looking at himself, and he said loud enough for his wife to hear, I am old, I am overweight, and I am ugly. And she didn't say anything, so he asked her, he said, honey, I could really use in a little encouragement right now. And she said, well, at least you still have your eyesight. <laughs> like I said, there are some times when we all could use a little dose, an extra dose of love. But perhaps this time of year, more than any other time, uh, we could especially use an extra dose of love. Because the most wonderful time of the year, as it is often called, can also be the most stressful time of year. And so in this series, we're looking at how Christmas gives us a new way to picture everything else in our lives and in our world, everything else around us. And the truth we're going to look at today is that the birth of Jesus, the coming of Almighty God in the flesh, reframes the way we should picture love. Because I believe Christmas pictures what true love looks like. And so let's just unpack that for a little bit this morning. You see, so much of the struggles and the disappointment and dis discouragement that we face in our lives and in this world is because we've all had trouble. Whether we admit it or not, I think if we, if we really analyze it, we, we all have. We've all had trouble giving and receiving love. And a huge part of that is that we tend to picture love as being conditional. Now, we wouldn't necessarily say that, but we are conditioned by our world and our culture to practice conditional love. To practice because of love. In other words, I love you because I find something in you that I deem lovely. Even think about the initial attraction that we have, maybe for a husband to a wife or a wife to a husband. And, and even religion jumps in. And one reason legalism thrives is because we're told God will love you because 
and then you fill in the blank. And so we're often taught to love because of, not in spite of. And yet when you read through the Bible, there are all of these stories to help us picture who God is. What is He like? And yet they all come together to tell this one really big story of a God who is determined to save and rescue His children. Because He loves them, He loves you, with an in spite of love. Not because of. Not because we deserve it, not because we have earned it, not even because we have asked for it. But it's telling this big story of a God who is determined to save his kids because he loves them with, in spite of love, not because of. And at the center of this story is Jesus, Almighty God in the flesh. Now everybody pretty much knows John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's a beautiful verse. But then listen to what Jesus says next in verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You see, Jesus didn't come to proclaim our judgment. He came to claim our judgment because we are loved with in spite of Love, And we need Christmas, the story of God coming into this world as human flesh to help us picture this. We don't really need Christmas to picture that God is powerful. We can look at creation and we can see the majesty of it and deduce how powerful a creator God is. We don't really need Christmas to, to, to picture the, uh, the, 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 the wiseness and the wisdom of God. We talked about that a little bit last week. We don't need Christmas necessarily to, to, to view God as wise. We can just look at creation again and see the, the wisdom and the design and, and, and deduce that the Creator is wise and, and brilliant. But what's His heart like? And that's why we need Christmas, to know that God's love demanded that He come in the flesh and tell us Himself. And His omnipotence is so great that He could do it. And his love is so great that he would do it. And with his coming, there comes a new way to picture love. John puts it this way in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And this is how God showed his love among us. How did he do it? He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is what real love is. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Over and over, the Bible says, you want to know what love looks like? Love looks like Christmas. Love looks like God humbling himself and becoming human flesh. Because first of all, true love gets close. True love gets close, doesn't it? I mean, we, you know, I don't know how many of you have ever had long distance relationships. And there are things that, that you can develop better in a long distance relationship that are hindered sometimes in a closer relationship. And I won't go into all of that, but I think you know what I mean. Um, but really, it's almost an oxymoron of terms. Because really, love comes near to what it loves. It is approachable. Now remember, Bethlehem did not mark the beginning of Jesus. What Bethlehem marked was the beginning of God among us in the person of Jesus. Because at Bethlehem, love 
got close. Now, God, by his nature, reveals himself in a couple of ways. He reveals himself through nature, through creation. We see that all around us. We talked about that a little bit last week. God also reveals himself through scripture. But the most perfect and the most complete revelation that God has ever given of himself came to Bethlehem. Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, Christ is the picture, the visible image of the invisible God. The prophets called him Emmanuel, God with us. That's who Jesus is. And, and this is so foreign. I, I know, you know some of us maybe don't know a, a whole lot about other religions, maybe haven't studied a whole lot. But this is so foreign to every other religion that this world has to offer. In most religions, God is, is, is not just above, but he is fixed. He is stationary. He is unmoving. And that's not just how a lot of religions think about God. That's how a lot of people, even some Christians, think about God. But Christmas says, no, God comes. Think about that. God comes down from heaven. That the God of the Bible hits the road. He said to Abraham, I will be with you. He said to Moses and Israel, I will go with you. But the most incredible journey God ever took was to a manger. You see, most religions are answering the question, how can a person get to God? How can I get to God? How can I get to God? How can a person get to God? But Christianity, and especially Christmas, tells of a God who came to us. A God who is above us, but he would not remain aloof from us. John puts it like this in John 1. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The Word that John just got through talking about created everything, was with God in the beginning, and helped create everything. Through him, everything was made, Paul says in Colossians. And yet that Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. You see, it's not just that God came our way, it's the way he came. And I think we have heard this so much that we just don't realize what a radical statement and a radical truth this is. But Christmas says God really did come down to earth. There is no other faith in the world that pictures a God who would get that close. But that's how intense his desire was to say, I love you in person. Because that's what love does. It comes near, it shows up, and then it gets down. Because Christmas also shows us that true love goes low. It'll humble itself and come down to earth. You know, from an early age, we are taught and we believe that the bigger, the better, right? And so around this time of year, if you've got the biggest present under the tree, then you win, right? I mean, isn't that, as a little kid, isn't that what you're thinking? You're thinking, I want the biggest. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't even know what's in it, but I just want the biggest, right? I mean, remarkable things don't really come in unremarkable packages, right? That, that's, that's the way that we have been trained as young kids to believe. And yet, one did in Bethlehem. I mean, just, just think about the reality that it's one thing for God to come into our world. It's something entirely different for Him to come as He did. No one expected yet that. And yet the way He came was just as important as that He came. At least that's what the Apostle Paul seemed to think. You know, it's interesting. We just think about that the, the, the last couple of weeks. We, we when we talk about Christmas passages, and I've been trying to, to, you know, maybe have a couple as we lead up into Christmas for the opening, uh, opening passages at the beginning of our service. And typically when we think about 
passages dealing with the birth of Jesus and the coming of Jesus, we look to places like Matthew, or we look to Luke. Even John doesn't talk about necessarily the birth of Jesus, but he talks about God coming into this world. He just read from John chapter 1, verse 14. Maybe we go to the Psalms and talk about some of the Messianic Psalms, or, or we go to places like Isaiah, like we read from earlier. But typically, we don't look to the Apostle Paul for our Christmas verses. And yet, I think Paul's words in Philippians chapter 2, not only are they my, some of my favorite words in all of the Bible, but I think they are perhaps Scripture's most articulate summary of the Christmas story. Now, we read all of this last week if you were with us here, um, but I'm going to read it again, first of all. But I'm only going to read the first half of it. Um, uh, but I, I just think it is a beautiful reminder of how low Jesus was willing to go to show his love for us. Here's what Paul writes, starting in verse 6. Jesus, being in very nature God. Don't just skip over that. Being in very nature God. Did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. And being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. How do you humble God? Answer, you don't. God, and only God, can humble himself. And so what Christmas tells us about love is that love is more than just giving. Now, love includes giving. That's part of love is that we give. But real love, true love is giving up. Jesus gave up heaven. To live on earth. He gave up a place where there is pure joy and beauty and love for a place of hate and sorrow and filth. He gave up a place where the, the, he, his, his, the glory of his deity to be limited by the frailty of his humanity. Think about this. The one who made everything made himself nothing for you. For the first time in eternity, God accepted limits on what he could do. Bound by time, bound by space, he gave up an existence where he is adored and served by countless angels so that he could come to serve in obscurity and poverty because true love goes low. And that's maybe why you've noticed, if you have noticed in the Gospels, Jesus always seems to be stooping. He's stooping over so he can pick up a child's. He's bending over to pull Peter up out of the water. He's getting down on the ground so he can look right in the eyes of a woman who's caught in adultery, who doesn't really want to look at anybody. He's on his knees washing the feet of his disciples, even the feet of a man who is about to betray him. And then a few hours later, he's bending over to pick up and carry a cross because love goes low. It doesn't just give, it gives up. And he loved us so much that he was willing to give up his life. He loved us so much that he would make himself low enough that sinful men could lift him up and put him on a cross because true love gives all. You see, if God loved us enough to become a man, and if God loved us enough to become a servant, but that's as far as God's love went, then we would still be lost. 
God had to love us enough to become our substitute. As 1 John chapter 3, 16 says, this is how we know what real love is. Jesus gave his life for us. You see, Christmas rebukes the most commonly held religious belief of our day and perhaps any other day that God just wants you to be better, right? God just wants you to be better because being good is good enough, right? If that's true, then why was Jesus born? And why would he go to a cross? Let me be as clear as I can about this and yet as kind as I can say this. You are not a Christian because you admire Jesus. Or because you want to imitate some of his moral teachings. That's all good and well, but that's not what makes you a Christian or that's not why you are a Christian. You are a Christian because you admit that you can never be good enough. That you are dead in your sins. And that you needed God in Christ to come and to be the sacrifice for you. Amen. You needed a substitute. You needed a Savior. And Jesus came so that love could go that far. The Hebrew writer says in Hebrews chapter 10, It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. And then in verse 10, he says, the Hebrew writer says this, And because of this, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. How far did love go? Love went all the way to our hell so that we could go to his heaven. And it forever changed the way God pictures us. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin. So that we could be made right with God through Christ. So that now, when God sees you, when he looks at your picture, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. Charles Wesley was right when he wrote, Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. That's why Jesus was placed in a crib so that one day he could go to a cross. Because true love gives all. You see, love took him to the place where he could take our place. Because the God of Christmas loves you to death. You know, we overuse that term. We overuse that phrase, I love you to death. God truly meant it. And Jesus truly went to his death because he loves you that much. And this is the big story that the Bible is telling. It's a story of redemption. It's a story of grace. It's a story that shows us what true, in a world where we get all kinds of pictures of love, it shows us what true love looks like. And what does true love look like? It looks like a God who loves you so much that He looks for you. He goes looking for you. You see, all other religions are going to tell you how to look for God. But there's only one faith that says God came in the flesh to look for you. And he didn't come because of. So don't think that you are so much better than you are. But know that you are so much more loved than you often think you are. Because he came in spite of. 
Because that's how much He loves you. Because love gets close and love goes low and love gives all to look for you. Author Brennan Manning tells a story about how he, when he was growing up, he had a best friend. His best friend's name was Ray. And he and Ray did everything together. They went to school together. They bought a car together when they were teenagers. They were always hanging out together. They double dated together. They were always together. They were even so close that Ray or Brennan uh, ended up calling and referred to and thought of Ray's mom as his adopted mother. And that's how they interacted. In fact, Brennan and Ray even enlisted in the army together, went to boot camp together, and fought on the front lines together. One night while sitting in a foxhole, Brennan was reminiscing about the old days when they were growing up in Brooklyn and all their escapades that they had. And, uh, Ray is just listening, taking it in, smiling, eating a chocolate bar. Suddenly a live grenade was thrown into that foxhole. Ray looked at Brennan, smiled, dropped his chocolate bar, and threw himself on the live grenade. Grenade exploded, killed Ray, and saved Brennan's life. That event, as you can well imagine, changed Brennan's outlook and his path in life, ultimately led him into ministry. However, years later, Brennan was going through kind of a rough, rough patch in his life, and so he went back to see Ray's mom and kind of get some encouragement from her. And they're sitting up late one night, and they're having tea together, and Brennan just asked her, he said, do you think Ray loved me? And at first she thought that he was just being silly because Brennan could kind of be silly and that was that kind of relationship that they had. But then she realized that he was being serious and her tune changed and with hurt in her voice and tears in her eyes, she looked right at Brennan and she said, what more could he have done for you? Brennan said that at that moment he experienced an epiphany. He imagined himself standing before the cross of Jesus wondering, does God really love me? And Jesus' mother Mary pointing to her son and saying, what more could he have done for you? So if ever you're compelled to ask, does God really love me? Am I important to him? Does he really care about me? God points to his son on the cross and he says, what more could I have done for you? To show you how much I love you. Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 13, Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. And that's all good and well, but then the Apostle Paul ratchets it up a little bit more when he writes in Romans chapter 5. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Now, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, or for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. You see, your worth didn't create God's love. God's love has created your worth. And my prayer this Christmas is that you could picture a God who loves you that much. My prayer for us this Christmas is the same prayer the Apostle Paul has for us in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. I pray that out of His glorious riches, God may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being. I pray that Christ may dwell in your hearts 
through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And I pray you will be able to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. God loves you. That's not just a song we sing. That is a truth we know. He loves you unconditionally. He loves you unequivocally. He loves you unapologetically. And He could not possibly love you any more than He does right now. And I pray that your Christmas is filled with the picture of the overwhelming love of God our Father and our Savior, Jesus Christ. <laughs>